everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today is another addendum to my witchcraft in procedural crime dramas episode because finally, finally, I managed to get a hold of a DVD box set that I've been trying to get for a while but it was about £20 and I just couldn't justify it for this one episode that I wanted to watch. But I got it for Christmas so ding dong merrily on high we finally get to do this one. So the series in question is one that I didn't actually see when it first came out and this is unusual because I do watch a lot of procedural police dramas both UK and America based. This is a UK one it was on ITV and it's called Murder in Suburbia. It came out in 2004-2005 and was cancelled after the second series because it didn't do as well as the first series which is a real shame because I've kind of enjoyed it. It reminds me a little bit of basically what would happen if you crossed Rizzoli and Isles with Midsummer Murders. It still has that like British small minds in a small town vibe but obviously it has two female protagonists and the banter between them is kind of the same as in Rizzoli and Isles. So the two female protagonists are Ash and Scribs um, which gives the series its title in territories that aren't the UK because I guess suburbia is something that's unique to English. <laughs> somehow. Uh, the two main characters, therefore, that names are Detective Inspector Kate Ashurst and Detective Sergeant Emma Scribbins, and they basically are the double act to investigate all of these crimes, and their Detective Chief Inspector is Jeremy Sullivan, who's played by Jeremy Sheffield. Uh, the two main characters are played by Caroline Katz and Lisa Faulkner. Uh, Caroline Katz, I've seen in a lot of other things. I hadn't actually seen the thing with Lisa Faulkner in before, but I've given to understand that she is in other stuff. Uh, so each series only has six episodes, and the episode I'm going to be talking about is episode one of series two, and it's called simply Witches. So this one came up in my original search for police dramas with witches in, unsurprisingly. Um, and the good thing about this is that basically episode one of series one is in media res. They don't really introduce the characters at all. They just show up and start investigating crimes. So you could potentially just watch this one episode and not have to watch the rest. Although the other ones are still pretty good and I did watch all of season one before embarking on this one. So the synopsis for this episode is as follows. Ashurst and Scribbins investigate the murder of a teenager who is found stabbed to death in a graveyard. The case soon turns out to be more than unusual, as it appears the motive may be linked to witchcraft. Meanwhile, with Sullivan on holiday, Ash and Scribbs are forced to deal with a new boss, DCI Whittle, whose pedantic and couldn't care less attitude begin to get on their nerves. So, there's a little bit of like personal stuff going on in this episode, but most of it is directly related to the case and with that in mind i am going to trigger warn because this episode does deal with um some things which are connected to sexual assault sex with a minor and self-harm so the dynamic between the main characters is thus uh, ash detective ashurst is kind of sophisticated and the older of the two as she's in the more senior role and scribbins is more young and scrappy and kind of off the cuff and a little bit irreverent so they work quite well together and this works really well with the subject matter of this episode, the kind of the witchcraft thing, because they are simultaneously disbelieving, but also slightly freaked out by a lot of the stuff they end up stumbling across. At the opening of the episode, there's a girl who's running through the graveyard. She crouches behind a grave and appears to be muttering like a prayer or something. Uh, but then she gets stabbed by a figure holding a dagger. And then we cut to the first of a couple of humorous skits, which actually did make me laugh, uh, related to Scribbins' personal life. Uh, a lot of the humour in the series comes from the fact that these two are kind of unlucky in love and tend to date weird guys or get into weird situations where they end up 
lying accidentally about what their jobs are and various other things. But in this case, uh, Scrivens is dating a guy who mid makeout session says he wants her to try and struggle. Um, and she decides to play along with this, even though this is kind of a big red flag. But then he's like, no, you need to struggle harder. And then it cuts to him in the bathroom nursing his broken nose while she apologises, which made me giggle. Uh, they then get called to investigate the murder of the girl in the graveyard who is called Holly and they learn that her mum is the head of the local private girls school which is where the majority of the episode then takes place. The girl who found the body is introduced as Mara or Myra. I couldn't tell, everyone was mumbling and I couldn't find the option for subtitles but I'm going to call her Myra. Um, she didn't like Holly and was being bullied by her, so wasn't unhappy to see that she was dead. We also find out that Holly has a friend called Lydia, who is one of the other popular girls and who is also called Liddy throughout the episode. Uh, and that she recently, on that very night, kicked Holly out of a party she was holding uh, because Holly was kind of having it off with her ex-boyfriend, who was currently Liddy's new boyfriend. Although Lydia does then say that she was like sisters with Holly and that they were very close. They also get introduced to Father Michael, who appears to be the local priest. And he is their source of most of the witchcraft stuff in the episode. And that was probably the thing I liked least about it. Uh, and did leave me kind of annoyed by the end but we'll get into that as we get to that portion later on. We're introduced to some other characters as the investigation unfolds. Uh, chief amongst them is Doug who appears to be a music teacher slash choir master at the school who's a bit of a Lothario and seems to be hitting on quite a lot of the teenage girls who do appear to be like 17 so I guess technically legal but even so ew. He's also a murderer for one of the episodes of Midsummer Murders that we watched, so my eye was firmly on him throughout the whole thing, and unfortunately he did not turn out to be guilty of anything else other than being, you know, a creep. We get our first look into the idea that this might be witchcraft or witch-related when they search Holly's locker at the school and find a Book of Shadows, which is like a velvet-covered book with a pentacle on the front, which is written in a numerical code. And they also find a poppet with a sort of wax head um, that has been stabbed through the chest with a needle. So um, that's looking pretty bad. Now, they take this to Father Michael, who says it's a hex doll. And his demeanour seems to suggest he knew that they were going to find witch stuff in the locker, even though it's never explained why he would know that. Um, he says that Holly is probably what the one who made the doll. And he says the code in the book is numerology and gives them a book on numerology. So one, I've never heard the term hex doll before. It really would have been better if he'd have called it a poppet or even a voodoo doll, which are things that I had generally heard before. I don't think hex dolls are generally a term that I've ever heard in use. Also, the code in the book being numerology, I have a very limited understanding of numerology, but it, I don't really see how it could be used to write a coded book. Usually it's about ascribing letters to numbers and then making those add up into bigger numbers that you can then look at and tell fortunes with, kind of like astrology. I told you I didn't have a good understanding of it, don't judge me. But um, I don't know, I kind of didn't buy or know enough to buy that they could use this as a code or why a priest would know about it or have a book about it on hand. So those two things kind of irritated me. Also, I would have preferred it if they had found uh, a local practitioner of witchcraft, uh, the owner of an occult shop, maybe, 
or even just someone who knew a lot about the history because he says that there have been witches in Middleford, the town where this takes place, for 500 years. So someone who was up on that local history but who wasn't a priest would have been preferable to me because having it be done by a priest kind of makes it seem like the practice of witchcraft is in opposition to the church, which uh, isn't true or even really that great in terms of making the episode entertaining. But anyway, they attend the autopsy of Holly and they find that she had a self-inflicted cut on her palm and that she was wearing a pentacle necklace. So it's pretty obvious that she was a witch or at least Wiccan and doing some sort of magic. We find out that Lydia, after the tragic death of her bestest best buddy Holly, has supplanted her in the choir because Holly was always better than her at the choir and is also now carrying on with Holly's ex-boyfriend. So... um it seems like she had a pretty powerful motive to commit the murder. We also see that Doug, the choir master, has a cut hand and I started to wonder if it was maybe him who had introduced the girls into witchcraft because he seemed to be interested in a lot of old rock and roll and that kind of made me think that's how he'd originally gotten into the occult and was passing it on to the girls. That and the fact that in the board in his office there was music written down. I thought, well, that involves a lot of numbers and symbols that I'm not familiar with. So maybe that's to do with numerology. But I was kind of off the mark here. They talk to Josh, who is Holly's ex-boyfriend, now Lydia's current boyfriend. Josh is annoying. I didn't really take to him. But he has a mysteriously injured leg, which is preventing him from doing sports. So I instantly thought that that was being caused by witchcraft. Mara, or Moira... The girl says Holly threatened to put a spell on Lydia and then says that a witch killed on hallowed ground is in limbo for eternity. So she's happy that Holly was killed at the churchyard. So she's starting to look mad suspicious. Ash and Scribs have the uh, poppet uh, wrapped up in a plastic evidence bag in Scribs's handbag, which he puts in the boot of the car. Unfortunately, when they're back in the girls' school, the fire alarm is pulled, or there is a fire that sets off the alarm. It is unclear. Uh, and then when they come back outside, the car has been broken into, the windows have been smashed, and the poppet has been taken. With that other piece of evidence gone, they now only have the book. So they continue to try and decode it. And they see in the book that Doug is mentioned as being a sexual conquest of Holly. So it's clear that she was sleeping with the music teacher. He's really fucking unrepentant about this and just kind of mocks their efforts to chastise him for being a massive perv and a big predator. So um, at this point, I was kind of hoping he wasn't the killer just so he could be the next one to get murdered. But sadly, no, he, he lives. Myra then comes forward and says that she saw Josh and Holly were missing from the party during the brief time that she was there before she was forced to leave by bullies. And he was also sleeping with Holly even after they broke up. So he's been cheating back and forth with Holly and Lydia. And it's all getting very messy at this point. They talk to Lydia after she's like trashed part of the memorial for Holly and she seems genuinely frightened and upset and she says that when Holly got angry bad stuff happened and then says like bad marks in the test spots various other teen worries to which Ash and Scribs are kind of mocking because obviously they know that there are worse things but she says that Holly is still feeding off of them somehow and the magic is still going which was nicely creepy and definitely buoyed up the midsection of the episode with some more creepiness. Then there's another sort of semi-creepy slash funny moment because Scribs goes home at the end of a busy workday full of witchcraft to find lots of lit candles in her apartment. 
And I know what you're thinking, Candle's in an apartment, definitely a boyfriend thing. But let me just say that even though I am a witch and collect candles like the apocalypse is coming and there will be no electricity tomorrow, this is too many candles. There is He is bypassed romantic and this is a serial killer number of candles. So she goes in, is surprised by a figure in the dark and then thrashes him with a cricket bat and then an ambulance has to come to take her boyfriend away. The big break in the case comes when Holly's mobile phone rings in an evidence bag at the station and there's a text on it that says, meet me at the school in an hour. So Ash and Scribs go to the school to meet them there in an hour and they lose radio contact while they're in there and then the lights go out and it's all spooky. They go downstairs and when turning around with the torch find bloody writing on the wall. It does not say the Chamber of Secrets has opened, but what it does say is gibberish. After they found the bloody writing on the wall, they also find a pentacle has been chalked on the floor with red candles at each of its points. And they find two hex dolls resembling themselves hanging over the pentacle. Now, this is kind of cool and a nice way to raise the stakes because up until now they've been like, oh, this is just teen witchcraft. There's nothing really going on here. But to have this done while they're in the school, to have the dolls representing them, it clearly means that one, the witchcraft element is still ongoing. Two, whoever it is, is not happy with them investigating. And three, it's one thing to think, oh, someone who was murdered was involved in witchcraft. It's another thing to think witchcraft is being targeted at you specifically. And both of them start to get a little bit nervous following this point. So I really appreciated that. I managed to get a reasonable pause screen on the bloody writing. And it said, Oboro Duval Ach Palisi, which does seem like gibberish. Although I recognise the word Duval from uh, the novel that I wrote about uh, Romanes in World War One. Uh, it was sort of close to some of the slang that I'd had to learn to write the dialogue. And then the priest shows up and says that it's an old Romany greeting. That means the Dark Lord is with you. And I kind of had an issue with this because this was a random thing to bring Romanys in and no Romanys are ever mentioned again. Um, so it seemed weirdly unnecessary to have it be in Romany as opposed to in Latin, which one, I would have bought that a priest knew how to read. And two, I would have bought that teenage girls experimenting with the occult would learn how to write. So yeah, seemed weird. Also seemed weird because I think from most of my research that I've done, Romanis are pretty religious. Uh, those that have converted to Christianity are very converted to Christianity. And it seemed weird that they would be greeting each other by saying, the Dark Lord is with you. Because they're either just not Christian and therefore don't believe in the devil, or they are very Christian and unlikely to greet people in the name of the devil. That just seemed like it had been pulled out of someone's butt. But there we go. And then, excitingly, Myra goes missing. While they're looking for her, they talk to Doug, the creepy, pervy choir master guy again. And he says that she came on to him. And then when he rejected her because she took a, her like ankle-length coat off and was just wearing underwear, um, he rejected her, uh, freaked out. And she said that it was Holly's fault that she cast a spell to make everyone hate her and that it was still going on even though Holly was dead. And then it's revealed that she stole the hex doll to break the spell that she believes Holly cast on her. So they go back to the priest, Father Michael, and he seems to have the fucking Malleus Maleficarum in his office because it's like a four inch thick book full of like Latin and witch stuff. And he's just like, reading it and going like oh yes if she has the doll she'll need to dispose of it in this specific way to end the spell specifically the 
dolls need to be burned uh, and they have to be burned by the person the spell was directed at and they have to be burned in the place of the witch's death and also on the night of the feast of Lupercalia. So just to break that down, what if the witch who cursed you isn't dead? How do you break it then? Or is just killing her step one? And two, I had to look up the Feast of Lupercalia because I'd never heard of it before and it sounded made up. But it is a real thing. According to Wikipedia, Lupercalia was an ancient, possibly pre-Roman pastoral annual festival observed in the city of Rome between the 13th and 15th of February to avert evil spirits and purify the city. So it's, I don't really understand why teen witches in rural England would be celebrating it. It seemed more likely to me that they would be celebrating one of, you know, the Sabbaths of Wicca or other traditions in modern paganism that tend to be like more widely celebrated. Specifically, if this is February in bowl or if they just do it on like a full moon or something. But uh, no, definitely this this Roman feast that I'd never heard of. So somehow Romanies are involved, but also ancient Rome. Uh, so that just seemed like a lot of disconnected stuff. Uh, but anyway, they hightail it back to the graveyard because that's obviously where Holly was killed. And um, they find Myra and Liddy fighting on the ground covered in mud, which was really funny. And both of them are kind of freaked out. Um, obviously, Myra at this point is inconsolable, sobbing. She believes that the reason she's so unpopular and bullied by everyone is because of this spell that Holly's done. And I felt really sorry for her. Um and this is one of the things that I liked about the episode so much was that it was kind of a manifestation of this ethereal power that popular people seem to have when you're a teenager, that they can just control the status quo, control everyone around you, control what everyone thinks and does to you. And translating that into this idea of witchcraft and curses. So that was really cool and really cool idea. Unfortunately, into the fray arrives Josh to the surprise of basically no one because I kind of knew he was involved because he's in the episode and they were running out of characters. But he arrives and he says the doll isn't Myra, it's him. And that Holly tried to get him to cut his palm and place it against her palm so that they could be one soul forever. And that she was basically cursing his knee so it would be hurting and he wouldn't be good at sports to blackmail him into staying with her. I had kind of an issue with this. Um, the main issue was the fact that Josh is like bright blonde and... Myra, who also thought the doll was of her, has dark hair and is very kind of gothic looking. Um, so basically they look nothing alike and the doll very much resembled Josh. So I, I couldn't really see how it could resemble both of them. They didn't even really look similar. Um, so that was unfortunate. Uh, but essentially what happened was that because of the, the cut palms things and because Josh was so freaked out by uh, what Holly wanted him to do, he took the knife and killed her, which felt a little bit anticlimactic. Uh, I was kind of hoping that the priest would be at fault because that felt like a an interesting twist. Uh, but no, it just turns out it was Josh. So in the end, they let him throw his doll onto the fire to end the curse. And um, he's taken away. And then Scribs and Ash decide to burn their dolls in the same fire. But they do it wrong, which kind of annoyed me again. Because Josh says like a little chant when he's burning his doll, but they just throw theirs in. Um, and don't say anything so I feel like if you're gonna do it at least do it right guys also it makes no sense for them to burn them at this particular location because obviously they were made after they came to investigate Holly's murder so Holly can't be the witch that made them so 
that there's a number of issues with this and I get maybe they just wanted to shut them on the end here because them going to a second location just adds more scenes that you need to film but at least do the chant and then because the rule of three applies to comedy as well as witchcraft uh Scribs's boyfriend comes over and she cooks him a romantic dinner to say sorry for you know breaking his nose and then beating him with a cricket bat and uh, he eats the dinner and he says it's very nice but it has mushrooms in it to which he is fatally allergic smash cut to the ambulance taking him away again uh, which was just generally amusing so was it worth the wait for me to see this episode um kind of it's always nice to see uh, a, an episode of a procedural cop drama that utilizes witchcraft and especially utilizes it in an interesting way or an allegorical way to relate to other situations also in a british one because i feel like because there's so many more american ones british ones don't really get that many episodes and they tend to wait a long time before they introduce witches you know like when they're running out of ideas so it's kind of nice that this is like the premiere episode of the second season which is pretty cool i did like the whole practice of the teenage girls getting into witchcraft i kind of wish that there had been more uh, visuals of the specific rituals maybe some flashbacks i wanted to know how they got into it and why um because i was interested and also it's never really explained why there was the chalk pentagram at the school or who put the dolls of scribs and ash there um i guess you're kind of just meant to assume that it was maybe myra trying to scare them off um or maybe it was liddy trying to scare them off but it's not really explained or explored in any way i kind of wish there had been a more balanced look at what the practice of modern paganism actually is and um, that could have been easily achieved by having their like go-to specialist be an adult witch and not just you know a, a teenage practitioner scaring her friends with the idea that she could somehow control their actions with witchcraft but all in all it was quite an enjoyable episode and quite a nice little mystery even if the actual storyline underneath it like the motive for the murder is kind of explained in a rush at the end and isn't really as satisfying as the lead up to it it was still quite a fun little episode and i do genuinely quite like the series and the characters and will definitely watch the rest of season two even though i have now reviewed the only one that i was really interested in seeing i hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have any other leads towards uh, episodes of british crime dramas or other crime dramas from like america or wherever it is you happen to live then do let me know because i'm interested in expanding my collections and watching a few more crimes and murder mysteries that revolve around witchcraft or the occult so drop me a line on twitter or by email and in the meantime i'll see you in the next one